hello and welcome to the Female Athlete Project. My name is Chloe Dalton. I'm an Olympic gold medalist in Rugby Sevens and I play AFLW for the GWS Giants. If you're new here, welcome. The Female Athlete Project is a platform that is all about increasing the visibility of women in sport. We've got two podcasts, our weekly podcast, The Wrap, where we cover everything happening in women's sports news. We've got our athlete podcasts as well. We've done season one and season two of the athlete podcast, and we're getting prepped for season three as we speak. Today's interview is an exclusive chat with the one and only Sam Kerr. It was an incredible opportunity, thanks to Nike, to sit down with one of the best athletes in the world at the moment. Sam Kerr! She shoots! It's one of the best goals ever! Oh, she's done it again! Sam Kerr, she's a superstar! Sam Kerr with another header! His Kerr comes through and Kerr scores! Sam has won the Golden Boot on three different continents was recently named uh, Player's Player. She won the FA Cup. She's an incredible player and is preparing with the Matildas for the upcoming World Cup as well on home soil in Australia and New Zealand. I really hope you enjoy this one. It's been one of my favourites so far. Hey, Chloe Dalton here from the Female Athlete Project. I'm very excited to be sitting down here today with one of Australia, if not the world's best athletes at the moment. One of the biggest performers but also someone who gets a lot of engagement on our socials because of how well loved she is across the country I'd say. (laughs) Sam Kerr welcome to the Female Athlete Project. Thanks for having me. You're back home for a little bit it's been a while how are you enjoying being back? Yeah it's amazing Um, nothing beats home just family friends good coffee so it's been really nice. Can you tell us what Sam was like as a little kid? Oh, my idea of Sam as a little kid's probably different to my family's. Um, just a tomboy, honestly, just like always playing sport, always out in the backyard, riding the bike around the street, just like a little bit of a knucklehead, like one of the boys, honestly. <laughs> Did you get up to trouble? Uh, not like serious trouble, but like I was like cheeky, but like I always say like everyone, all my school friends are always like, you got away with so much at school. And I think it's just because like, I was cheeky and kind of how I am now. Like I don't do anything with bad intentions. It's all fun and games. But, um, yeah, I was a bit of a cheeky kid, I would say. Who did you look up to as a little kid? Um, I was AFL through and through as a kid. I I obviously loved the Eagles. Um, I was just saying out there I loved Ashley Sampy. He was my favourite player. Um, but, yeah, like all the obviously big stars in Europe, Ronaldo, Beckham, um, Michael Owen. But, yeah, I, we didn't have many role models. But I also didn't see sport in that way. I just played sport because I loved it. How did you first find soccer? Are we calling soccer football? Football. I call it football. But Let's you, go football. <laughs> okay. How did you first find football? Um, yeah, I played AFL or Aussie rules and it was just like really rough. And I came home one day with a bit of a bloody lip, black eye. I didn't have any problem with it, but my brother and dad got a bit, um, I guess worried about me, but yeah, just mum and dad took me out and then straight over to where my cousin was playing football and yeah, it was terrible at the start, but picked it up pretty quickly. What does terrible look like? I tried every position. I tried in goal because obviously that was the closest to Aussie rules, but just like first touch was a trampoline, like just <laughs> just terrible, <laughs> just not great, didn't understand offside. You know, we never watched football. Like mm. in my family, um, 
football was kind of the sport that I don't know, like it wasn't, yeah, it wasn't a very, no one was very fond of football. Was it hard to convince them to get on board? Well, I don't think anyone really took it seriously until I started to make the national team. Um, But yeah, I think mum and dad still now, like it's funny, they watch the game, but it's not like, you know, Aussie rules is embedded in our family. Like, Mm. you know, every rule, you know, everything that's going on. And still to this day, like there's things that they ask me or say, and I'm like, that's just like not a thing. Like mum sometimes (laughs) will say like, oh, you did score a hat trick today. And I'll be like, yeah, mum, but two offside. And she goes, well, you still scored. I'm like, no, it's not. It doesn't count. Yeah, it doesn't count. doesn't count, mum. Do you remember your debut for the Matildas? Yeah, not very well though. I think that's the one game that I wish that I could probably replay because now I watch all the young kids come up and um, their experience, their first game, how much it means to them, having their family there, um, what women's football is now. It's obviously amazing, but I was just like, I don't really belong here. I kind of like had that imposter syndrome, you know, I was like, oh, my God, I, I shouldn't be here. Like I haven't trained hard enough for this and not, I told none of my family to come, no family there. Um, what, they weren't allowed to? No, they just. I just never thought I'd play. I was just like, I'm not going to play, so don't come. So no one came. And then back in those days, it was when Perth used to see everything delayed. So the game happened and they didn't see it for three hours later. <laughs> <laughs> so, yeah, no one saw it live, no one, nothing. No one watched and just like went about it. I remember I was, I was 15, so I wanted to... There was a Young Matildas camp on at the time and I actually was like, oh, I'm missing out on the Young Matildas camp because all my mates were at the Young Matildas camp. So you would have rather been there than yeah. make you, you know what you like as a yeah, kid? As a like, kid. I was missing out on all the fun stuff with my friends and I didn't realise like the magnitude of what playing for the Matildas means. So that's the one game I'd probably like to redo. How did you get over that imposter syndrome? Oh, I think you go through. I still sometimes think that. Mm. Sometimes I'm like doing things and I'm like, oh, I'm not, like I say to people like all the time, like, oh, like I'm not, I'm not that cool or I'm not that like big of a deal and people like, you know, go crazy over the Matildas now and it's just like sometimes you just feel like you're still kind of like, is this really my life? Like I never thought women's football would be where it is and then some of the cool experiences, the things I get to do, the people I get to meet, I still sometimes feel like, do I belong here? Like, mm. um, But I think, yeah, there goes times you go through it like, when I was like 19, 18, I thought I'd made it. I thought I was, you know, everyone goes through that same type of light and then you get brought back down to earth. And um, I think, yeah, since I've been about 23, 24, it's been like, oh, God, is this really my life? Am I really doing all these things? Um, but, yeah, it's, I don't think it will ever go away when you're on the world stage. It's something that you never really feel that, not that you don't belong, but you feel like, oh, I'm just a normal person from Perth. So I think I'll always have it. <laughs> I like it. I um I used to think when I was a kid, like my my moment was watching Kathy Freeman. I was I was seven at the time when she won gold, and I just like I used to picture these athletes, and I was like, they must be superheroes. Like something has to happen to them to make them so good at what they do. And I think that's kind of been a cool thing in my sporting career. I've kind of realised nothing actually happens to you. Like you're still the same person no matter what happens. And I think there's so much about your character and your values that still shines through no matter what point you get to in your career. Yeah, I, I do. I think I agree completely. But I think for me that's like I've met a lot of people that have changed with mm. fame and, and money. Um, but I think in women's sport it's not many female athletes change. I think maybe in the men's game. Mm. Um, 
But I think in the women's game, like you meet people that you met, you know, 10 years ago that supported you and you, they feel like they're just part of your journey and you're so like appreciative of everything everyone's done for you. Um, so I think, yeah, in the women's game, it's definitely like that. I think every female athlete kind of stays the same, but not sure about the men's. <laughs> There's a few bowlers out there. <laughs> a few bowlers, a few nice cars. Yeah. We've been having a debate on the podcast lately about your trophy cabinet. Where do they all go? <laughs> <laughs> oh, God. I give them to my mum, honestly. Oh, that's a bit nice. Yeah, my mum has them all. I don't have a trophy cabinet. Um, my mum has, like, these two glass things, but trophies are getting bigger these days. Like, I have one and it's, like, taller than my torso. It's massive. And <laughs> mum's like, what am I ever going to do for this? Like, it's massive. The PFA Player of the Year, it's literally, like, this high. Um, so mum keeps them all. But I think it's nice back when I get back home and I settle, I think eventually I'll get somewhere where I put all my golden boots and my plate, like all of those things that like really mean a lot to me, I'll put them somewhere. But right now I'm still in the, in the zone. I'm not worried about what I've won at the moment. <laughs> How do you, like that, that difference to where you are now, like the fact that you've won golden boot on multiple different continents, looking at that player's player award, what is the Sam Curd now, how is she different to the 15-year-old kid that wanted to go to young Matilda's camp? <laughs> I think, yeah, that explains it. Back then I was just in it for fun. I wanted to hang out with my mates. I always got told, oh, you have so much potential, you have so much talent, you can go so far. And I was just like, nah, like I just want to hang out with my mates, just want to have fun and travel the world and just cruise along. Um, and now it's like, nah, like I want to be the best now. Like I want to stand out from the rest. I don't want to like choose the same path as everyone and I think like um I think like a lot of people tell me that I'm so stubborn and the last year or two I've really found that I am really really stubborn but I don't think it's a bad I think don't think it's a bad thing like I always say to people it's not a detriment that I'm stubborn I think it is who I am like if someone tells me I can't do something like I'm doing it mm -hmm. like, I'm just so stubborn and so like like if someone says no to me I'm like or like someone tries to force me to do something, like my agent will probably tell you, I am like so bad, like so bad. I'm so strong-willed. Like <laughs> She's holding back laughs over in the corner over there. <laughs> because like it's who I am. Like in like I've just told myself the last two years, like no one's going to beat me in the world, um, the golden boot race, like no one. And like I said out there, I just go in this rage cage and I don't let anything like beat me. I don't let anyone tell me like how to do, like that sounds bad. I, I I have my own like way of performing and I think when I am performing coaches allow me to do that but like I when I first got to Chelsea I said oh I don't like doing this I don't like doing this this is how I like to and it was very like oh you have to do this you have to do this and I didn't perform and then once I mm. kind of like broke down the barriers of the club I do like <laughs> I come across as a very like relaxed like playful person but like when I'm like trying to like perform it's like very serious and like I'm very stubborn in like my performance and what I do so might get under some people like some trainers skin because they tell me to do one exercise and I'm like that doesn't work for me so <laughs> I do something else but uh, it works for me so I rate that that like as you get older as an athlete you just work out what your body responds to and what works yeah and I think my brother when he played he used to always say that and I used to I used to not get it and he like kind of realized what worked for him what didn't work for him and as I've got older, I've just realised, like, I actually know what works for me and what doesn't. And 
whether they think it's the right thing or not, like I perform this way and coaches actually now will allow me to do what is best for me because it makes me perform. So, yeah, it, it's a bit different, but I'm very stubborn in all forms of life. <laughs> I like that you've used the word stubborn because I – I've changed sports like three times in mm-hmm. my career so far and people often question it, but I actually use the same word to describe myself that I almost am so stubborn that I know that I hate being not good at things, mm-hmm. that I know I'm stubborn enough that I'll I'll get there in the end. Does that allow you to, like obviously you, you've got the accolades and things and the achievements that are flowing in, but does that stubbornness mean that it's just about you almost competing with yourself? Oh, that's that's exactly what it is. Like people always say like, oh, there's always things about me and another striker or me and a defender. And like I can score three goals in a game and walk off and be mad because mm. like I've done things terribly. Um, and like I'm my biggest critic and I know when I'm playing well and I know when I'm playing bad and I know when the crowd's just cheering for me because they like me, not because I'm playing well. Like I'm a very honest person with myself. Um but, yeah, I'm kind of like you, like I will make it happen mm. and like the stubbornness makes it happen. But if it doesn't, I always think, well, I made the decision myself. I didn't have anyone mm. tell me, so it's kind of on me. Do you know what I mean? And yeah. I've never felt like I've regretted anything I've done in my career because it's always been my decision. Mm. Um, and I think people always say like, oh, you can do that because you're you. But I wasn't what I am right now and I'd used to do that. Mm. Um, so I think it's like it's just being a, like honestly like I'm stubborn but I'm also confident but like also like really determined to get what I want, what I deserve and like what I know I can get. So it's like it's a it's a really like deep and like you can go so, dive so deep into the conversation but me and Christy always talk about this. She always says you're so stubborn. Like if I tell you something like she'll say to me, oh, you should do this, it'll make you feel better. I'm like. I'm not doing it because you came up with the idea. (laughs) (laughs) You sound hard. Yeah, like I'm really stubborn. It's so bad. And like I'm stubborn, I know. I'm really stubborn. (laughs) Let's let's talk 2023 World Cup on home soil. What does something like that do for the next generation of young kids and for the future of the game in Australia? Yeah, I think it's at the moment it's really hard to – I guess gauge what it's going to do for the sport. Um, I think it's going to be massive. I think watching the Euros now in England, you see what what it's doing for women's football. Um, but I think in Australia, it's like a long time coming that everyone really understands where women's sport is going. Um, and there's going to be people coming in from all over the world, like football fanatics. So I think it's a really good opportunity. I know you talked about Kathy. We talk about Kathy a lot in the Matildas too, but like the race, the gold medal, whatever, but the moment was just like I think what most people remember, the moment like her walking out, you know, putting the hood on, like just like everything just like. <sighs> it gives me shivers. Yeah, like we watch it often and it's just like that moment, like the first game when we walk out, the first goal, like it's going to be pretty epic I think and I don't think anyone really can understand what it's going to be like and I try and like visualise it but I just, it's going to be epic. You talked before about how you're still, like there's still so much left to achieve. Have parts of that sunk in that you can play a role like what Kathy did for kids like us? Oh, I don't think I've thought about it in that way because I, I mean, you're probably the same. You never think of yourself as someone like her. And when I met Kathy, I was like, 
starstruck. I was like, oh, my God, like, you know, and she. this was like 15 years later after she totally changed. Just She's like a quiet person. So mm. for me, I was like, oh, my God, like, I love you. Like, <laughs> did you say that to her? I think I did say that. I think <laughs> good, I, I said I love you. Like, I was so starstruck, but I think – I would. I don't think anyone in the team, in the Matildas team, either would put themselves on her level. Mm. But I do understand that women's sport and the exposure it gets right now, we can probably have as big an impact mm. as what she did for women's football and women's sport. I loved seeing recently that you were one of the investors alongside Billie Jean King and Alison Felix for Just Women's Sport. So um, for people who don't know, a platform, media platform in the US that's all about highlighting um, and increasing the visibility of women in sport, similar to what we're doing here in Australia. Really cool to see not only you getting on board and, and investing in something that's so important, but I think it's another side of you're not just an athlete, right? Has, has that been a part of it as well? Yeah, I think so. I think setting up, you know, what I want to do, what I want to be involved in post-football has started to kind of come into play. Not that I let it like or want it to, but I think – that was part of it. Like I want to do something after football that I'm invested in, I know lots about, um, and then had a couple of things with Just Women's Sports and thought, um, you know, after talking to them that it was the right fit and wanted to like kind of get behind women's sport. I think there's not enough platforms still that, you know, just post about women's sport. Um, and, yeah, it's been really fun because like it's like our little baby, I guess. Like we kind of feel like – you know, all the investors are really invested in it and not just like money wise, but like, you know, posting, getting behind it. Um, and there's been some really big investors come on. So I have a small, small part in it, but I feel it's really cool to be a part of it. All the podcasts are super fun. Um, and yeah, they're doing good things over in America and hopefully it, you know, goes all around the world. Yeah, it's really cool. Um, I could chat for a long time, but we're going to have to wrap up soon to Finish off for all the little kids that are watching you. What kind of legacy do you hope to leave? Ah, the legacy question. <laughs> I think for me, obviously, like I'm a footballer and people love what I do on the field. But when I meet all these young kids, like they actually lie, like the story and like the person you are more weirdly mm. um and I think that's a really unique unique thing about women's sport is in the men's game they just love like CR7 or whatever it is Mbappe just love what they do on the pitch they don't they love them but like off the field women's footballers women's athletes like are just seen on a different level and like I think for me I've always just tried to be myself and be like I'm so different to anyone else and I've just tried to be myself and a lot of kids have come up to me and, and said they've found comfort in my story and me being who I am. And even at the book signing the other day, like kids asking me advice on things that had nothing to do with football. And that for me is like the coolest thing is like connecting with people and showing like people that like it is fine to be who you are. And if you like put your mind to anything, you can like make it. And like, I feel like I don't fit in any type of box and like, that's really cool for me. So hopefully the legacy that I leave is obviously an amazing career, but also off the pitch, like an even better, I guess, career of like inspiring and making people feel comfortable in who they are and all of that type of jazz. Absolutely love that. Thank you so much for sitting down and having a chat today. Massive honour to get the chance to chat with you um, and, and good luck for the rest of the year and heading into the World Cup. Can't wait to watch. No worries. Thank you. Can't wait to play in it. How good. <laughs> 
Thanks so much for listening. We'll be back next week. We're taking a bit of a holiday from the wrap while Bez, our researcher and my podcast co-host, is having a lovely holiday in Italy. But for the next two weeks, we're going to give you a bit of a highlight of some of our favorite moments from both season one and season two of the podcast where I chatted to some of Australia's best athletes. Would love if you could hit subscribe, leave us a review and let us know what you think. And make sure you check us a follow on Instagram at the Female Athlete Project. Thanks heaps for listening.